message you're about to listen to is from the Household of David Higher Ground Conference 2022, themed The Sound of Trumpets. We believe that this message has been inspired by God to take you to higher ground. Be blessed as you listen. For the first time in our soul of David. Let's together this morning welcome the senior pastor of the Dominion City. Pastor David Thank you, sir. Thank you. Wow. Good morning, everyone. Pastor Shola, I really want to thank you for bringing me here. For me, it's an honor to be here. And for now, you don't need to pursue me. If I hear your call. First Lady Pastor Bigel. Ah, I'm on the floor. Thank you for standing with this man. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, I don't know how to explain this thing to you. But before I, I say any other thing, I'm so honored to finally meet you in person, Pastor Mike. My God, what is this that I was hearing here today? The Lord told me, because I'm one of the persons that is crying, crying a lot in the secret for the revelation, the manifestation, for us to transit into that phase where the Nigerian church will restore the ark to the global church because that is our mandate. He told me, don't worry. I will start showing you the men and women that will carry this next wave. Pastor Shola, that's what this church represents. That's why I'm telling you that you wouldn't need to pursue me again. In the, all of you that God has brought here, I wish you know where you are. Please settle down, be committed, and help this man. We are now in the era of the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David. And there is a reason why God is doing that. Put up Amos chapter 9 verse 11. This tabernacle of David is talking about is the church, is the last day's church. When the Jerusalem council held and Paul and Co. came so that issues about mission to the Gentile nations will be sorted out. This is the scripture that James, the apostle of the, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, used to decide the matter. Peter spoke first. But after Peter, James now gave that final word that decided that issue. 
This is the scripture he was quoting. When Solomon's temple was destroyed, when the tabernacle that David set up for God was destroyed, God spoke by the prophets about that time when he's going to raise another tabernacle. This time he wasn't talking about maybe the one that um, Jeremiah, Ezra, Zerubbabel. That's not what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about rebuilding that old order. It was foreseeing the New Testament church. Look at it. The days will come. I will raise up the tabernacle of David that is falling. I will close up the breaches thereof. I will raise up his ruin and I will build it again as in the days of old. Everyone said that word, the days of old. The first thing I'm going to tell us, let's go back to the Acts of Apostle again. What God is about to do, we surpass that. But like Jesus said, the works I do, you shall do, and greater works. Until we get back the work he did, we can't talk about the greater one. We have to first recover the apostolic Christianity that was delivered to us. Because we are now living in the days of the ruins. The days of the ruins. A lot of rings have happened. But now we have come to that junction where we have to cross this river to enter our land of inheritance. And so God is going to be raising a new generation of voices like Joshua who understand how to deploy the technology of the ark the glory of God to lead God's people. Just lift up your hands, Maliki. No, no, no. Just pray in the spirit. If you can pray, you understand whichever way that happened. There are some things we're going to download this morning. This company of Joshua, your pastor is going to be playing a critical role right in front of it. That's what Pastor Ropo represent. That's what Selman. That's what the Jerez is. That's what this company. There is a new generation of leaders emerging and they are not to go alone. Their job is not to become superstars. It's to bring the whole of the army of God across River Jordan. There is a land of inheritance waiting for us. We are not there yet. We are not there yet. We are not there yet. We have wandered in this wilderness. But there is a third dimension of, of ministry. In Jesus' mighty name. Put up that Amos 9 one more time. That era, because I've studied this prophecy, and it has two dimensions to its application. 
the fulfillment actually began on the day of Pentecost when God started raising the church. But there are components to the prophecy. Look at the next verse. One, when this rebuilding starts, one of the first things you're going to see is that those who now pay the price to be part of it are going to possess the remnant of Edom. Edomites are the brothers of Jacob. They are the brothers of Israel. But it was compromised. Fornication and self-indulgence and other things. Other things. Selling of the birthright. So you're going to see a convergence of God's children that have been tested. Some don't go to church anymore. If you see the number of people that left Christianity, some even started returning to Catholic church and others. You're going to see a huge movement will start because many of these people, some of them have interacted with, it's not that they don't want to serve God anymore. Is the type of Christianity we are portraying that is creating the confusion. There were some that are product of offense. There are some product of some other wounds and some other stuff. Some of them have been recruited by the enemy down social media attacking the body of Christ. You will see a movement from the kingdom of Edom, backsliding believers men and women living in the flesh and are going to start converging. So we're going to see a mighty move of God first in the church and a great awakening among backsliding believers. And then the third is a massive influx of souls. All we have to do is trigger the first one. It will flow to the second and then flow to the third. There's a component before I let you sit down, verse 13. Verse 13. This verse is explaining that this is going to be a quick walk and it's going to be very fast. Do you have message translation showed in this verse 13? Do you have it in message? Look at, yes indeed, it won't be long. God decrees. Things are going to happen so fast. Your head will swim. One thing fast on the heel of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. Everywhere you look, blessings, blessings like wine pouring out from the mountains and the hills. That's why we need to go back to study the early church. Pastor Shola, there are some places, I'm, I'm a missionary now. I'm a missionary to a certain parts of the world, you know, Europe, for example. Yeah. And um, 
And I'm studying Paul. Some places, like when he began to invade Europe, his first missionary journey was in Asia. Second missionary journey, he began to, by the fourth, he went to Rome. At the second missionary journey, it was Greece, the land of Macedonia and all of that. The first city he tackled, Philippi. Then the second city, Thessalonica. Thessalonica was only three weeks. Do you know Ephesus, he burned two years there. In Corinth, one and a half years. But there are some places, one month. Some places, three months. And then he leaves. Persecution throws him out and he goes on. And I'm shocked because if I'm the one, only three weeks, you just planted a church. Only, and these are heathens. These are heathens. These are not believers. And three weeks, you got thrown out. What I'll be wondering is what has happened to this year. I'll be crying as I'm going. But then if you read that Thessalonica church, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, said that church became another major mission center to the whole world. He said, um, let's speak from verse 2. Okay, okay, you need to sit down. Okay, okay, yes. You may be seated. <laughs> I'm really very glad to be here. Now, Paul started writing. He couldn't stay and give them more, so he wrote this letter. One of the things he said in the letter is that, okay, let's start with how he started. Verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you or making mention of you in my prayers. Yes, in our prayers, yes. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Mm -hmm. Verse 4. Verse 5. And that verse 4, that verse 4, first, first, that verse 4. You know, the Philippi, from where he came here, was where he dealt with that demon-possessed girl. He got beaten up. You know, he said four, three times he was beaten, 39. He was beaten up and thrown into jail. And by the time God shook up that place with earthquake, they came out. The next place they went to is this city. When he started preaching in this city, there were converts, majority of them were Greeks, and a lot of noble women, and a couple of Jews. The Jews mobilized. There was a riot in the city. To prevent him being killed, the brethren took him in the night and released him, and he went to the next city, the city of Berea. You remember the Berean Christians? They are more noble than there. That's the next city he went to. And by the time they heard in Thessalonica that he was in Berea again, they mobilized and came there, started another riot. He ran to the next city, Athens. You know, I would think that if I just got beaten up, wounded, went to jail, I would need maybe like two weeks to recover. And maybe they narrowly took me away from dying. Let's take, I, maybe I went to Ibadan. I almost got killed and they brought me to Lagos. The first thing I would do is to calm down for the first three weeks and then strategize. As he landed, he has started again. That was why there is a place he got to. The people said, these men that turned the world upside down have come here. What is the quality of Christianity that this man had in him? 
persecution cannot stop him. Then what is the quality of Christianity he put in these churches that even when he spent three weeks, they exploded? Okay, let me show it to you. Verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you. This is one of the secrets. Came not unto you in power, in the Holy Ghost. Came not unto you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. If we learn to preach like this, even if it's just one service, time and cannot erase the effect and the impact of it. As you know what manner of men will wear among you for your sake. Verse 6. And you became followers of, of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much what? Affliction. With much persecution. And with the joy of the Holy Ghost. Verse 7. Now, this same church that he only spent three weeks with. Look at what they became. You became an example to all that believe in the whole of Macedonia. Macedonia, Greece, the whole area of Greece empire. Now, the Roman Empire is in place. So, the Greece Empire has compressed back. Why Rome ruled most of the province that they once controlled? But it became an example to all that believe in Macedonia and Asia. Verse 8. So that from you, the word of God has sounded out, not only to Macedonia and Asia, but also every place your faith towards God is spread abroad so that you, we that brought the message don't need to talk anymore. So when God is talking about a quick walk, what is it that in one year we can put in people? What is it that we can put in people within three months? Now, as a missionary, for example, like me, I don't have years to go and waste. I don't have years. I don't have time to go and waste. So we have to rediscover apostolic Christianity. Jesus left one man in a city. He went there, Pastor Sola, and he was rejected. But he grabbed one man. And the man he grabbed was the madman of that city, the madman of gathering. So the man wanted to follow him where he was being driven out of the city. He said, no, stay. It's just one encounter. And he has already commissioned this young believer that has not gone through discipleship school, gone through so, so many processes. He has already commissioned him. After a while, Jesus came back to the city. What That one man has brought the whole city to him. That technology I want to learn. Things are going to happen so fast. One on the heel of the other. Everything happening at the same time. How 
is God planning to do this? He wants to activate the whole church to go after the whole harvest. Not just a handful of men. Okay, let me get three young men. Three young men. Um, uh, it will work. It will work. You are distinct. Come. Come. I wanted what you're wearing to be different, to illustrate. Yes. Just, just stand here. Let me help us with illustration. What is going on? The theme of this conference is is just on points. The sound of the trumpet. <laughs> Stand here, sir. Thank you. All of you know that the Jews have three feasts. And you also know that the tabernacle has three dimensions. So, the first feast, the summary of the Jewish feast, the first one is Passover. The second one is Pentecost. And the third one is Tabernacles. And I don't need to tell you this one, that the Tabernacle has three dimensions. The outer court, the holy place, and the holiest of all. And both are saying the same thing. This first face talks about the cross. Passover, that's what it is about salvation as an individual you have entered into the benefits of Passover feast when you have experienced personal salvation and regeneration when you are born again the second phase is Pentecost and that's what the holy place represents that second dimension in ministry. That second dimension of experience. You know, with this feast, we can talk about the revelation of Jesus. With this feast, we can talk about your Christian experience, the three dimension of journey and growth and development you are to make as a believer. With this feast, we can talk about the three dimensions of ministry in the church. With this feast, we can talk about God's prophetic calendar. There are up to seven things we can reveal by studying this. Just like one can give the revelation of Jesus through this, we can also give the revelation of the believer. Who we are in Christ. So this is salvation and the message of the cross. And the second dimension is the Holy Spirit. 
Pentecost. The revelation of the Holy Spirit. Actually, you enter into this experientially you when you are baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. But there is a third feast, ladies and gentlemen. This third feast is where God is trying to bring the church now. Tabernacle. I came here this weekend just to talk to you about this. This is where God is trying to shift the Nigerian church. The European church helped us to recover this when the restoration began in 1500. This is what they gave us. The recovery of the outer court ministries and the recovery of this experience of Passover. Now everybody can be born again and experience regeneration because people like Martin Luther and a couple of others rose up, reformers, all of them from Europe and began to unveil this truth once again. And then this gave birth to what we now call today as evangelical churches, evangelical movement, and of course, even the Protestant, what, whether you use the word Protestant or evangelical, all of that. Towards the ending of this movement, towards the latter part of it, it has gone on for years, but in Nigeria, there are organizations and institutions that he betted here, apart from things like the Anglican churches and other evangelical churches. There was an organization that is a parachurch organization called the Scripture Union. They did a, war, a, a massive work in this nation. That is institution of the evangelical movement. It was that organization that came to my secondary school. I was 12 years. And brought the message of the cross. And that's how I got saved. Actually, a revival broke out in my school. And then God now put his hand on a number of us and began to use us. But we were purely evangelicals. Do you know that I was a junior student... And suddenly leading a fellowship in my school, I paid a lot of price for it. But do you know till the final year, I, had, I did not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yet healings were happening. Because that scripture, these signs shall follow them that believe. We just stood on it. And it was able to carry us through all of those things that happened. You know about the scripture union. If you haven't, the other evangelical movement like the... Uh, the CU, the Christian Union, you probably met it in the university. There are a couple of others. A lot of us today know about Daddy Kumui. You notice that it has a core emphasis on the Holy Spirit, um, on um, holiness and sanctification. You know that is because he's a pure evangelical. Yes. It's not the typical Pentecostal. Do you know why? This feast has three feasts in it. Okay. Let me leave the feast and use the outer court. In the outer court, the first thing you meet is the brazen altar. 
where the animals are sacrificed. That is the cross. That's the message of the cross. All of us who want to be part of what God is doing in these last days must get rooted again, recover all of this heritage. Because what God is doing here is a combination of all of this, but plus a new dimension that these two did not cover. But as God moves forward, you don't throw away what he has wrought. What he does, you know, if you're building a seven-story building, you finish with foundation, you do the ground floor, you do your decking, you do the first one. When you're about to add the cyst, you don't destroy everything because that cyst cannot hang on nothing. So that's how the last day's move of God is not just something that is going to come and hang on nothing. It must hang on a solid evangelical foundation. You see, my job that God asked me to come and contribute to what he's doing here is to come and look at what he's building and help explain a few things, just a few elements about this project. And it will help those of us that he's using to build to become wise master builders. You don't want to take people to Pentecost that are talking in tongues where there is a faulty foundation. Their conversion is faulty. They, they have not experienced the genuine work of the cross. Because we are in it now. Uh, I want to be soft. I don't want to be hard. But I'm looking for a way. I want to be soft for now. I'm looking for a soft way. It looks like there is no way to say it. To make it soft. There are people now preaching and there are ministers of God and they are not saved. That when you catch them, you have to take them down here first. He said, leave this ministry stuff. And, and I'm doing that because I've, I've met a number of them. Leave this stuff you are trying to pursue. It's not a business. You need to come here and have encounter with the living Christ first. And experience the work of the cross. And the regenerative power of the Holy Spirit in your life first. Before the guy might come to you and he wants to talk about, please, sir, papa, I want another level. Mm -mm. This one is like the Simon, the sorcerer. I've met them all. They, they need endorsement from some authentic ministers so they can penetrate the body of Christ. We have to be very careful. They will come to you. They will come to you, sir. Give me this power on whom I lay my hands. He will also receive the Holy Ghost. They want to start with Pentecost without going through the cross. Then we have some that really want to serve God but because they were not properly taken through this route. This is where because they've seen anointing. They think it's about fame and followership and money. They want to start here. 
So in that outer court, after the brazen altar, there is a brazen lava filled with water. That place is the message of sanctification. And it was the same Europeans that brought all this reforming. The John Wesley's, when they came, took it beyond where Martin Luther and others left it. They went to the lava, recovered the lava, and added it to the brazen altar and expanded. Because there are three feasts actually here. So, Pastor Kumui is a Wesleyan revivalist. You're talking about God's generals. We have one waiting till the day he climbs that chariot of fire. I still listen to him till tomorrow. I have the language to explain what he's saying to the younger generation because when I give his tape to my kids, they say, uh, what, what is he saying? I'm not getting it. I said, don't worry. Then we come to Pentecost. And when we got here, the button has shifted. It crossed the Atlantic Ocean from Europe to America. And North America led this movement. Remember, like uh, each group that are called, elected of God to start the movement are not meant to keep it for themselves. The blessing is for the whole world. The principle of remnant has been abused. I've seen a few people teaching that they're creating a holy club. They say we are the remnant church or remnant whatever. And they create this, you know. No, no, no. The principle of remnant is scriptural. Whenever God wants to break through and open up a new season, revival is not a multitude business. God starts with a remnant. That remnant is usually not too many. That is that narrow end, that curved end, the front of the aircraft that must pierce through the atmosphere and then let the rest come through. So they design it, narrow it. It's not as big as the rest of the body. They narrow it just like the face of an eagle or like the face of a a fish because if you are traveling through a medium you are going to deal with resistance is that group that will pay the price to break through the barrier the moment the remnant breaks through the rest of the army can come so if you study gideon the remnant was 300 men god sent the others away they will spoil that revival from coming they will stop it and he gave certain conditions that disqualified many of them. But that doesn't mean that God was not going to do something with them. All he needed is the 300 that will unite and pay the price. The moment the 300 brought down, broke through the army of the Midianites, guess what happened? The whole army of Israel now woke up. That's what it's called. Revival is the first stage. Great awakening is the second phase. Then world mission is the third and the final stage. If a revival comes that does not go after the lost and the world, <laughs> it was cut short.
So if you watch the early church, it was 120 that was the remnant. But the moment they got it, they, don't, they didn't stay at the upper room doing a bless me club. They came down because what they broke into is meant for others. There was a particular time the remnant was four lepers. But the four lepers got the revelation of the assignment. When you get this, don't keep it here for yourself. He said, if we do, we will die. Some strange evil will fall upon us. This thing we've got, we need to now take the news and go into the city and awaken everybody. When a revival starts, the people must labor to move into the second phase of an awakening. An awakening in the church, an awakening in the society. This church is elected by God, your pastor, to be among the remnant that will bring this thing. That's why on your pulpit, this kind of message that we heard this morning is coming out. <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm sure he knows what is going on. There are certain pulpit. You can't preach about righteousness. So you can't talk holiness in the pulpit. <laughs> and we're not going anywhere without it. You die on the other side of wilderness. Why the promised land is waiting on the other side. You are not going anywhere without it. One of the announcements I came to make is that just like the Europeans led this first phase, the Americans led this second phase. Ladies and gentlemen, Africa is called by God to lead us. And Nigeria is elected by heaven to be at the forefront of the church in this country. I've also learned from the reformers. When you study God's generals, don't just study the American revivalists. Learn from the reformers. If you want to redig the ancient wells that have been blocked and help to understand how to rebuild this tabernacle of David that is falling down, you have to start here. Then study God's generals that led the Pentecostal charismatic healing revival and all of that to where we are. All the way to the word of faith movement. There was a period when all many of the generals here were called back to heaven. A season was given. Just like what happened in Genesis chapter 5. From Adam, Enoch, everybody, they started going. And then the last man was Methuselah and, and Noah. Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. And then the year that Methuselah went, flood began. Noah's flood began. Now if you notice, for America... In the last decade, most of the generals have been sent home. God was talking about the conclusion of that era. It has ended. 
there is now a new phase and he created a major global event okay let me say he permitted a major global event to mark the end of this era and the arrival of this era that's what he just experienced as covid Do you know what he did when he was trying to announce the end of this to bring about the beginning of this? It was Second World War. First World War and then Second World War. And with it came also a global plague like COVID that shook the whole world. The purpose was to force men to go underground again. To force men to back to the secret place. Because there is no way to press out and bet God's purpose on earth without retreating back to the place of prayer. This marks that they brought. No, we used it then. No, it was used then. Of course, the soldiers that now went, who fought in the wars when it ended, as they were returning to Africa to different parts, they just carried disease and spread it all over the world. Then the economy was shut down. There was great depression. There was all kinds of things that happened. Millions of people died. In that condition, people began to cry out to God. I know a man that was one of those that betted the world's revival. That one refused to join the army. So they imprisoned him underground. That underground place, why he was in prison, why the war was going on, that's where he took, he sat with his Bible and began to develop a depth of intercession and began to shock the scripture. He came out of that place as the war was ending, one of the men that turned the world upside down. The man that rediscovered the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Howard Carter, he was also in this state. It was why that war was going on and all of this whatever. He went back to, and that's how his eyes was opened in the place of prayer. In those days, now they say miracles have gone, the age of miracles, are, and then the veil was torn. People like Lester Summer and a couple of other young men that let carry this thing far were mentored by him. Many of us miss COVID. Because you were in confusion. You didn't know what was going on. Some of us that understood the change garments during that period. But I'm now telling you that you have not missed anything because the message now is still the same. There are new garments. There are new ordinations that are happening in the spirit. And this is beyond church ordination. I'm talking about heavenly ordination. There are seven angels that are priestly angels. They carry different components of what it takes to partake of the Melchizedek order of priesthood, which is the level of priesthood we need now. And you will see sometimes in the Bible, like look at this gentleman, the high priest of Israel, when Israel came back from captivity. He stood before the angel of God and Satan was standing to resist him because his garment was dirty. 
now to change his garment and reordain him again into that priesthood, God didn't call for some Sanhedrins and for some elders. He brought in these angels who he instructed to remove the garment that was dirty. And then he mentioned some things that are to put on him. If you go and read it, there are seven. There are seven things that make an authentic priest. It's in the place of prayer that men enter into this thing. That's where I put off one garment and wear another. Depending on the work that needs to be done. For example now, if you meet our Lord Jesus, if he appears to you, sometimes what you just see him wearing is that white remnant that he wears. That is the general priestly garment. All priests wear it. All priests. And when you and I are raptured, you will see that that's what you're going to be wearing. All priests wear it. Go study the Levitical order, which is a type and shadow of what you and I are to do. And you will see all priests wear it. It's their normal internal garment. That's what Adam was wearing before he was unclothed. But there are other garments that a high priest wears on top of that one. There is another coat that he puts on top of the white remnant, which is righteousness of the saints. That's what the man was talking about. There are other garments he puts on top of that one. And on top of that one, there is a, a third one called the ephod that he wears. That settles on his chest after the girdles are locked in. On that ephod is where he wears the 12 precious stones that represent... This is how the minister, just like that priest that carries Israel, though on those stones are the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. That's how Pastor David is to carry God's people. Pastor Sora, Pastor Jane, Pastor James, carry them on your chest when you go into the presence of God in prayer. In prayer. We are talking about the third day ministry. The third dimension. This ministry is ministering from the holiest of all. This is where God is trying to get the church now. This ministry is not earthbound ministry. It's coming from the heavens to the earth. It's not from earth to heaven. You have to go there first. But to go and represent God before men, you come out from there and speak to men. This third day is not about anointing. Lift up your hands. Pray in the spirit for a while. Let me see if I can show you something. In Jesus' mighty name. Pastor Sola. The third day, tabernacle. About seven elements about tabernacle. That's just the one God has revealed to me. You can imagine what will happen when we now approach the territory of corporate revelation. 
There are seven things here. I just want to share maybe one or two. Tabernacle is about the fullness. It's a season of fullness. And that word fullness, we need to run through the New Testament and even Old and check what it represents. For example, what is the dimension of ministry? What is the dimension of oppression? What is the dimension of Christianity that God is trying to bet on the earth? The fullness of Christ. You know Ephesians 4 from verse 11 when he gave us the fivefold ministry. We are supposed to. There are seven things we are to do there. The, the job description was defined. Perfecting the saints, that's equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and so on and so forth. But somewhere as you are moving, you come to this point where he's now talking about bringing God's people to the fullness of the stature of Christ. Bringing them to matured manhood, perfect manhood. Let's not even use Christ's fullness. Let's just use some of the generals. Do you know what Nigeria will look like if we have just 1,000 bishops available? What will Nigeria look like if we have 1,000 pastor the boy? What will Nigeria look like? Just a thousand bunker. Just fullness of bunker. Before we talk about fullness of Christ. So if we drop you, everything functioning in that man, all the grace plus his life. What will Nigeria look like? We have a thousand more. You see what happened here? We have had generals that have emerged here. Generals that have emerged here. We have had this era of Moses with the rod. God now wants an army here brought into this dimension. Instead of one or two Moses to create a generation, a nation, where okay, let's use this. Jesus is our alpha male lion. He is our lead, our king, our, the head of the church and all that. But when you meet a lion kingdom, a pride, and you have this their alpha male leader in the front marching, and you have some of those young male lions that are full grown on this side, then you have those female, you know, the lioness are even the most dangerous. Hello, sisters, are you hearing what I'm saying? Lion is lion. Let's assume that there are 300 people coming this way and lion wants to attack. And the alpha male that is in the front takes down one, two, three. And then some others are now running. They run into the lionesses. What is going to happen? Will you encounter a lesser lion because you run into the lionesses? And a few others were running. They ran into those young other lions. Will you encounter less aggression or less anything because you ran in there? Now, God now is bringing the church where we can reveal the fullness of Christ. 
for men and women in this world many of them will get the opportunity to actually see jesus in the flesh again see christ like divinity revealed again in the flesh you know the early this morning somebody sent me a, a short video and i was uh, i decided to play it i cried and cried throughout my devotion and i was crying i was telling the lord we are not there yet we are not there yet the, because the video was about jesus and the woman of samaria just an encounter at the well they cut out i think it probably was part of a whole movie that's the first time i was seeing it just what he did to the woman with word of knowledge when the woman was resisting the, you know and he just used it to x-ray her life and a couple of other things that lady dropped everything she came here to do and started running after the men of the city come and see a man that told me this is just one one dimensional what will happen when we arrive on that day where you walk into a church like this you just sat in at the back and the usher welcomes you and say, Madam, you're welcome. This is your first time you say yes. You say, because you see that you're divorced, that your husband that left you. And he left exactly September of last year. And I know that your daughter has been sick and she has been suffering of leukemia. Today, God brought you here to sort out and re-engineer your family and all of that. Come in and this an unbeliever that is coming to church for the first time. He hasn't yet met the pastor. What do you think will happen to him? You think he will just walk in, sit down normally, cross his leg. He will probably be on the floor and be willing and may need to be helped to go and, and take a position on somewhere. When ushers feeling cleaning chairs, because they carry that level of glory, you walk in to sit down. All of a sudden, all the demons start shouting. And then manifestation has started. And we have not started worship. Oh. Because everybody you meet, every child of God you meet is carrying the thing. And then when you leave service, the deadly thing about the third day move of God is that all of them are going to carry Christ's glory in his fullness, but packaged differently. You see one, She's a marketer in the bank. And then you meet her, you think she's one of those roadside uh, roasted corn that you buy, you, you eat. You see another one, she's a doctor. You see the other one, this is a teacher. That's a principal. You see the other one, a pilot. You see this one, bank manager. You see this one, market woman. We wish you start like this. I and the children. That's what Jesus said. Prophecy said it. Jesus said it. I and the children the Lord God has given me. We are made for what? Science and wonders. The mystery about the third day is that it's not just about Pentecost. It's about the glory. So right now we are 
entering the beginning phase of the third church reformation. That's what God is talking about. We have had the evangelical reformation, protestant reformation. We have had the Pentecostal reformation. Now we are in this final era. We are not there yet. But we are at the brink of what River Jordan. We have to cross this river. And God needs a remnant to press through first. You know, Pastor Sola, because I, I won't know the dealings God is having with you and some of the demands He's going to be making on you. There has been time when the remnants were so small that it's just one or two persons. To break through Goliath and the intimidation of the Philistines on the army of Israel, it was just David. He had the backing of his 400 men anyway. No, at that time, he doesn't have them. He just came from the... Sh he was a shepherd boy that just came with his catapult. He doesn't have that army as at that time. Just came to bring food to his brothers. At Mount Carmel, to break that siege of bow worship in Israel. When it came to the remnant, God had 7,000 care, but they were in hiding. They were not doing anything. Maybe they are living in intercession. They are praying for this revival to come. But in terms of the man who took the initiative, it was one man there. It was after the experience that God corrected them fast. But he broke through that stuff. The moment David struck Goliath and he came down, then all of the army of Israel that had been bound by fear under Saul's leadership woke up and awakening fell on them. And they are the ones that now pursued the Philistines and massacred them everywhere. The remnant is not the one that will do the whole work. This blessing is for the whole church. The other one was for the whole church. And the blessing is also for the whole world. Like when we say Africa is going to be at the forefront, it doesn't mean we should go and start walking out with our shoulders high. No, no, no. We are now being called to serve the nations of the earth just like they served in their own season. There are also responsibilities attached to this. I'm going to say this. We have a lot to learn from the history of what God did in Europe. We have a lot to learn from what God has done with U.S. and North America. But I'm going to tell you something you need to be careful about. As America has reached the peak and the wave is beginning to go down, it's beginning to collect debris and some things that are not part of it. It's not everything you hear from America now that you should take. There are all kinds of nonsense coming out from that gate. Go and check the old ways where there was life. Stand in it. Dig those wells. Go and study the work of these great fathers that have brought a terrific move of God around the world. So you don't carry that and bring it into the tabernacle. Let me say something that which a lot of us need to know. When you celebrate the feast of Passover, the feast is called the, also the feast of unleavened bread. There is 
everybody removes leaven from his house. Yeast. And when you celebrate it, everybody eats bitter herbs. I, I'm thinking about one or two that we know in this hour. Like Unubu leaves. I'm just using that as an example. Because that represents deep repentance and purging of sin. So when you are bringing people to Christ and preaching salvation, you talk about the faith in Christ, but something should precede faith in Christ. It is repentance from sin. And then faith in the finished work of Christ. So living is removed when you celebrate Passover. Before you celebrate tabernacle, Pastor Shola, you go through the Feast of Atonement, which is a season of purging. Actually, you go through first the 10 days of awe, which is a time of repentance and, and separation and consecration, and then you end it with atonement and personal purging. Then you enter into tabernacle. But something shocks me about Pentecost. I, I need to read this for you. Exodus 23 from verse 14. I need to show you something. Three times in a year from verse 14. Exodus 23 from verse 14. Three times in a year you shall keep a feast unto me in the year. Look at 15. You shall keep the feast of 11 bread. That's Passover. Seven days. The next verse. And then the Feast of Harvest. I want you to notice the name he calls Pentecost here. There's something I need to show you. He calls it Feast of Harvest. Because there are two harvest seasons. The first one happens here. And that's why the moment the early church finished experiencing Pentecost, they went after world evangelism. But you see, this first harvest is first fruit. The ingathering, I know, the feast of harvest, which is the first fruit of your labor. Take note of that statement. Then later in the year, you do the feast of tabernacle. But notice what the tabernacle is also called. It's also called the feast of what? In gathering. This is the major harvest. This is the real big deal. In Nigeria, it's not exactly like that. Two seasons of harvest. Even though we have things like corn, things like come at the beginning part of the year. This thing, these two feasts happen around between March to around May. This one happens between March and April. You count 50 days, then you get to Pentecost. This is the, at that beginning year. And this is where you have the early rain. But there are certain harvests that also come fast. They come at that period. But the real harvest season is towards the end of the year when it's time for ingathering. And that is the feast of ingathering when you have gathered in thy labor out of the land. That's when you have gathered in the harvest. 
You see, all the souls we have won from the very door of Pentecost for the last 2,000 years, all the way to all of these charismatic movements that have come here. The number of people about to come into the kingdom in this last final feast will be far, far more than what took us 2,000 years to accomplish. And that's why what God pours here is latter rain and is double. It is both the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. So what is going on? God needs the whole church to reap the whole harvest. He needs the whole world touched. I have been reading the scriptures that is talking about the last days revival. Some of the things I, I hear the prophets say. Sometimes I wonder, are these men? Look at Isaiah 2. The mountain of the Lord's house. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be exalted on top of the mountains and established on top of the hills. Then what did he say about the harvest? He said, and all nations. Everyone said that word, all nations. We're going to see Lagos as a whole, discipled. I am believing God that this is one of the cities where we're going to see this all. It doesn't mean everybody on earth will be saved. Don't get that wrong. That's not what the message is talking about. But we're going to see whole communities, whole organizations, whole cities, whole nations engulfed in, in with the revelation of the glory of God to the point that the harvest will be beyond what you can count. Start putting in numbers the way we just count, you know, you know church services. I'm talking about billions of souls. Billions, billions, billions. Sometimes when I close my eyes in prayer, I see the largest stadiums in Brazil, largest stadiums in Ecuador, largest stadiums in, in Kenya, largest stadiums, and then I look. Sometimes they elevate me in the spirit. Event is happening inside the stadium. They are all filled up. Then I look outside the stadium. It looks like the whole country gathered. And you'll be wondering, what is going on here? The Lord has been talking to me. Start developing the understanding, the vision, the capacity, the technology to address whole cities. To address whole nations. Who knows if it is our next year conference. It's so done in such a way. Every Okada man has his right. He's still in his business. He's not able to come home. Every taxi in Lagos. Every whatever. They're all listening for the number of days. You go to the marketplace. Every market woman is listening. Everybody, certain events are going to be happening. The whole nation is hooked in. And then we are having more miracles, more revelation of the glory of God happening even among those ones that are not there than even the ones that are present. Actually, no drop in standard, no drop in anything. This is why God gave us the modern technology that we have now. I've heard men of God talk about how that technology came so that when Jesus shows up, the Bible said every eye will see him. But you know, some people will be in the dark, the other side of the earth. Other people will be on the other side. It doesn't matter which side he shows up. He's going to appear on the eastern sky. But every eye will see him. 
there are those two living creature uh, uh, witnesses in the book of Revelation. The day the Antichrist, they will have that encounter that will finally lead to their death. And the day the spirit of life comes upon them and they rise. The Bible said the whole world will watch. How? Everyone said technology. So we need to start envisioning because this is in gathering. This is in gathering. Revival in the church and awakening, then in gathering, in gathering, in gathering, in gathering. What are the strategies that will help us bring in the harvest? <laughs> this time, net will not be able to carry it. If God gives you vision to build, build whatever He puts in you, but this is church without us. I'm talking about post-COVID world because there has been a race that has shifted again this era so that men can begin to now press in across River Jordan. Let me show you this about Pentecost. You need to be careful about what I'm about to show you, please. And those who are not able to deal with this, that might be what will stop them. When Joshua brought the men that came out of Egypt, they experienced Passover in Egypt, and they did very well with Passover. And deliverance came. They came out of Egypt. They got to Mount Sinai, experienced Pentecost, 50 days after that. But, Pastor Sola, when they got to the border of the promised land, Joshua was instructed by God to make sharp knife and circumcise them. Because atonement has to come before you enter into tabernacles. That is one problem that Pentecost did not solve. Pentecostal movement has gone around the world other outlets of it, the healing revival, the charismatic movement, and all of that. But there is something that it carries. That we have to get rid of if we want to move forward. You and I came from the same tribe. I've heard you part of your testimonies, what you talk about, how you came from scripture union. That's why they say hunger for holiness in you, hunger for righteousness in you. I've observed that. You have a godly man as your pastor. A lot of people who purged our level repented, gave their life to Christ. They did repentance here. Turned away from the world, came to Christ. Some of them got to Pentecost and picked back the, the level. I've been wondering, where did this level of explosion of iniquity, why people are speaking in tongues? Corruption, why people... 
are flowing in anointing. Where did it come from? When the Holy Spirit led me to look at those three feet carefully, and I found out, oh, oh, in the pattern, biblical pattern, it was there. God told Moses, tell them, when they're baking the bread for celebration of Passover, no leaven. Not only that, leaven should not even be found in the house. He told them, when you get to Pentecost, and they're baking the bread for celebration of Pentecost, let them put leaven inside. If you notice, the first encounter a Christian has with the Holy Spirit is here. But it is coming to regenerate you. It is spirit within. It's not anointing upon. It's spirit for living. To transform your life. But when you come here, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to receive empowerment for service. But now, it shocks me. People have gone into service. Some are men of God. Some are in different levels of service in the kingdom. And they are carrying yeast. The guy is singing. is leading an amazing music ministry. He has three girls. He's messing around everywhere. The guy is preaching. And he has baby mamas. He has side chicks. How many of you have been confused by that? When you see it, it's a contradiction. How many of you? This is one of the things that we have to cross now if we are going to advance into. Nigerian church is being raised by God to help lead the global church beyond this board. We have to make sharp knives all over again like Joshua. Okay, 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 okay. Let me read it for you. Leviticus chapter 23. You might need to see it, verse 16. Normally, you number seven Sabbath, Sabbaths, and if you number them, that's after Passover. You number seven Sabbaths, if you number them, you get 49 days. On the next day, the 50th day, is Pentecost. That's how you get. It's also called the Feast of Weeks. So, he talks about numbering the seven Sabbaths, and then you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. Look at the next verse, 17. And you shall bring out of your house, your habitation, two waves of loaves of two ten deal, and they shall be of fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven. One of the greatest contradictions is a Gehazi, a prophet in training, or even a prophet, but he's carrying the leaven of greed. A Balaam prophesying is carrying a level of This is where we are. And this is one of the things that had God's people stalked. Maybe it is where I'm going to round up for this morning now. I'm going to round up now. Amazing, Pastor Shola. Let me be honest. I've been looking for the clock. I've not been able to locate where it is. But I'm going to round up anyway. But here, here is the point. 
So I started checking the Bible and I saw that there were a couple of cases like that. I saw Gehazi, part of New Testament revival with lying and deception. I saw Samson with immorality. I saw Gehazi with the greed and lies. And the lesson there is the anointing of porn does not protect you from corruption. That's the lesson. And that's why a man can carry it, do miracles, do healings, prophesy, and still go to hell. Maybe you have not heard that message from Jesus. That song will say, we did miracles in your name, mighty works. He didn't say they use the name of, in his name. We prophesied in your name. And I tell them, depart from me, ye workers of what? What is the problem here? 11. Maybe you don't know what 11 is. New Testament explains to us what it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 6. Look at it. I read three verses there. Verse 6 said, You are boasting is no good. Know you know that a little level levels what? The danger of this is that the pastor just said, but you know be wood. Let me just have one girl to be helping one, you know, just assistant wife. But the younger pastors, assistant pastors under him, once they see what is going on, they will start. But instead of just doing one, they keep one in the choir, one in this branch, one in the office, one in this. They will do six. Then the next guy watching that one, the protege under him, he is mentoring. You know what will happen. The, the man that started the sin of immorality, in the life the lineage of Judah was the founder of that tribe. His name is Judah. He was just one girlfriend. Just one girl. He saw that girl that arranged for him on the way. And you know, his friend helps him to arrange for a harlot. But he actually is one. By the time he got to David, David had expanded the frontier to seven ladies and even collected for one of the countries that God warned them not to marry from. David collected one. It was that lady that gave birth to Absalom. So every time Absalom has problem, guess where he runs to? He runs to his mother's place and get reinforcement. Next time he's pardoned, he returns back and cause bigger problem. Then when he now had his issue, he was with Uriah, but there was no other record that David ever repeated that mistake after Psalm 51 and the repentance that he did. But by the time he got to Solomon, now, how will David preach to Solomon you are going too far? Where do you put the boundary of yeast? You say, let me put little yeast. I need this kind of thing, you know. Man of God needs, when we finish, we need small. And, and the one I need is just, 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 you know, when I was in school, I used to smoke it. It's just Igbo. It's not serious. It's not too bad. You start. The assistant pastor and the other pastors, guess where they will take their own? They will start with what you started with, but they will say, this thing is not getting me high enough. They move to cocaine. Then the other guys under his mentorship, you might think what I'm saying is a joke. They are men of God now. It is spirit. Not, I'm not talking about Holy Spirit. You know, the dry one in the bottle to go on the pulpit. 
we were in a conference. I'm not going to give you. I don't want you to know. I'm not, my, 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 my job is not, you know, I'm not even attacking. We're in a conference in a nearby country. And it's time to go and get Oga to come and do his session. Then I will come. And the pastor drove in, knocked. He was dazed. And then there are bottles everywhere. He looked at it. It's not even 4% or 5%. You know, spirits. Bottles on the floor. The guy got shocked. He said, sir, what's going on? He said, don't worry. That's how you get into the anointing. And so when he gets to the pulpit, he's hooping. He's doing whatever. He's high, actually. But it's not the biblical anointing. It is anointing of Epetesh. He says he gives him boldness. He gives him, you know, something. What you guys don't know is that you don't need to visit a shrine to encounter strange spirits. Anything that alters your consciousness can give you access to the demonic. Whether it's drug or being high on alcohol and other. That's why the scripture warned not to be drunk with alcohol or be drunk with any of these substance abuse, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. If it is financial corruption you want to start, the first generation might be a little disciplinary. They just take small. Your glory is not good. Don't you know the little level levels the whole lump? It starts smaller, but watch verse 7. Porch out therefore the old level, that ye may be a new lump as you are leaven. For Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Let's verse 8. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven. He listed what they are. Some of them is malice. Some is wickedness. You mean wickedness in believers? Do it with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Add one more verse just to give you an idea. I wrote to you in the epistle not to keep company with fornicators. Verse 10. Yet, I, I'm not talking about the fornicators of this world. Or Look at other levels. Fornication is one. Cov covetousness is another. Extortion. Idolaters. For then, for you to avoid unbelievers who live like this, you will need to leave the world. They're everywhere. He said, they are not the ones I'm telling you not to keep complaining with. But look at the ones I'm telling you in the next verse. If the one I'm writing to you not to keep company, if anyone that is called a brother, a brother, somebody that has gone through here, if he becomes a fornicator, a covetous, a idolater, or a railer. That's why he told them, your boasting and all this, your glory is not. Because you have a man in your church sleeping with his father's wife. That's what started that chapter. That's why he started talking about eleven. And he won't. Don't you know, one person, you treated it just like that. Next thing you hear, there are ten. Next thing, next thing, you hear the pastors are exchanging wives. If I tell you ministries that have been destroyed by this stuff.
Here is a secret. Before fire falls, before the glory, there has to be a sacrifice on the altar. And what God wants is the sacrifice of your body, your life as a living sacrifice. It's called consecration. There are examples in shadow of the Old Testament of different types. There's a type that Nazarite does. There is a priestly consecration. The other types. In, in this part of the country, we have um, a group of security experts that are local based called the OPC. There is a type of consecration. Now, it, it's certainly consecration, but it's consecration that they go into. And when they finish, they start carrying a level of satanic power that bullet can't touch them. In the south, south, um, southeastern, south, south part, there is a group that rose at that and they call the Bakasi boys. One time, one of them ran into my office. He needed deliverance. They are now having problems. He said, I should help him. He was the only son of his mother. He went into this because armed robbery got out of hand and they needed to do, do something about it. So a group of them went into this consecration and took on this thing. And he told me all the exploits they made. But now, they have subdued the armed robbery and he wants this to end so he can go. Because one of the consecration, you can't sleep with a woman. Consecration involves two things. There are things you remove yourself from. And then there are dedications and covenant that you make. Because it is removing yourself from one thing and committing yourself to another. And when it comes to God, it's consecrating ourselves to him for his holy purposes. If you now know the plan of God, what God wants to do with you in your generation, you pay the price of purging. You pay the price of personal atonement. You pay the price to get rid of certain things. I was reading a document, and I'm challenging all of you because it's on, the, it's on the internet. Read this man that brought the gospel. God used to shake the world, John G. Lake. Read his consecration covenant. I think it has about seven things in it. When he got to sexual matters, you will see the kind of things he did there. When he got to financial matters, when it comes to the issue of the integrity of the word of God, how he handles the scriptures, when it came to a couple of other things, I'm not going to tell you what to do. That's where the Holy Spirit, through the word of God, will have to now take you on your own journey. But there are weights and there are sins that does so easily beset you that you have to cut off and lay down. Is to present your body as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. Do you want to be among those that will carry the kind of glory that is about to be revealed? God wants the whole earth to experience him at a dimension that the world has never seen. We're going to first arrive at where the apostles arrived. And then he will now start taking us on a journey that is deeper. If not, millions of people died in the wilderness. You want to also stay here and die here. If you want it, 
this is halfway to destiny. This is God's plan. Tabernacle is his destination for God's people. And this is the church that will meet the Lord. Because this tabernacle is also about announcement about his return. This is the final move of God that will lead to his return. I want to be part of what God is doing. I'm not going to settle down here. I'm not going to. I have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I have the gifts of the Holy Ghost. I have all of that. But that's not all God has for you. There is another dimension of glory that is beyond Pentecost. There is the fullness of the Spirit. There is the fullness of the Spirit. There is the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Giving you capacity to function at the dimension that Jesus functioned. The fullness of Christ is not just the fullness of the Spirit, but that's one of the components. It also will bring you to the level of the life that he lived. Just talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. It starts with prayer. <laughs> Please, I'm going to beg next time I come. I, I want clock here because, you know, um, I just want to be sure that I'm talk to the Lord, talk to the Lord. Pastor Shola, I'm going to permit you. Give me two more minutes to tell it. Please, ladies and gentlemen, put up this scripture. You can find it in Second Kings, you can find it in Isaiah 35, you know. The remnant that is come out of Judah shall take root downward. And bear fruit. If you don't see me, I want you to remember this. If you don't see me, let's assume I don't preach any other message here, even this evening, or you don't see me, you know, whatever. I just want you to, as one of the major, major elements that will help you get here. Pastor Shola, see what it is. In the growth of a tree, a tree grows in two dimensions. You know that already. There is one they call gravitrophic growth. Eh? It is moving away from sunlight. It's moving towards darkness. You do it into the soil. Nobody likes it. All of us want popularity, fame, and because of social media, a lot of people, social media is giving people fame that has no content, has nothing. Even if you're a crazy person, you can get followership. So, the other type of growth you find is phototropic growth. The one that grows towards the light. But the Bible said that the people God is going to use will be like the tree planted by the river soft. They, their leaves remain evergreen. They bear fruit in their season and whatsoever they do shall prosper. The problem is the water that powers these guys is surface and underground. It's not from the sun. There's something else they get from the sun. That's for the side of manifestation. But the secret to carrying the life that sustains the life of the tree is underground. Pay the price to grow downward. Gravitropic growth is, is stay away from publicity. Stay away from nutrients. I'm not saying don't use social media. That's not what I'm talking about. For every one hour of performance, 
pay the price of two hours in the secret place. You see what happens when you grow upward and grow towards the light without the root going deep a small wind blow what happens to the tree when a building rises high and the foundation does not go deep what happens because in the journey the turbulent journey of transition and i'm speaking prophetically now in the troubling journey of transiting the church from here to here you will hear of a few falls and you will be carried and some the world will try to mock the church because of it i want you to know what it is is when the attraction of public ministry of fame of internet of how many is following me and all of that outweighs the man's private life personal life because this is where you sort out the issues in your personal life this is where you tarry in the presence of god this is where and you don't just do it once when god start using you you have to constantly that discipline is what is going to be the undergarding secret for men that are going to function here Go check the generals. That's how they lived. The beauty of it is, as I pay that price in the secret place, in the place of prayer, in the place of the word, the Bible says, your father, who sees in secret, where will he reward you? He rewards you with gravity. You know, phototropic expression and manifestations. This is one of the secrets for the last days. You may have missed the opportunity that COVID offered. Please begin to initiate your own personal great reset. A life of the sacred place. I don't care. You're in the morning, you are not able to create your own time in the evening. If it's not even created in the middle of the day, you have to find that time. This issue of running up and down everywhere now, mm, you have to find that time. You have to find that time. And when you make appointment with God and you tell him, be there because he will be there. You have to find that time. You have to find that time. Don't let the career, the success, and all of that that you're pursuing shock out life out of you. Don't let Lagos happen to you. God is now raising you to be one of those that will recover the lordship of the house of Israel. You cannot join the company of Edom that are setting away their birthrights. Why don't your hands talk to him? I don't know. Repentance, wait, is repentance. I'm going to suggest that this conference is not over yet when it ends on Sunday. It's not over yet. Some of us will go into some days of our personal atonement and declare our own feast of trumpet. This, the message is the sound of trumpet and declare our own 10 days, our own 7 days, our own 3 days. You might not be fasting all through. The Jews actually fast. Even if it's 12 or 5 or whatever. It could be your 21 days Daniel fast. Don't do anything that harms your body. Oh. Where it's not just asking God for breakthroughs and promotion where you are offering your life as living sacrifice on the altar. 
and presenting yourself for God to deal with certain yeast, certain levels that have been messing up things. to this message. We believe you've been blessed. To find out more about the Household of David, visit www.householdofdavid.org or follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Mixelar. God bless you.